So I want to talk about things that bring me up. And there's nothing or few things that make me as happy as pointing out the errors of liberalism. Now, I've said this before. I'm a Chestertonian at heart. So we're going to go through some quotes here from liberalism as a sin. If you're just joining us, this is the Kennedy Profession, which is on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, always online and always on uh, always on air and always online at crusadechannel.com. It's not only the, the last live radio station standing, it's the best live radio station standing. And I'm a big Chestertonian at heart. And G.K. Chesterton, uh, he was an, an expert at... Um, finding common ground with the liberal mentality of those who were of goodwill. And I think that's important. There's a quote in here from liberalism as a sin that goes through it. And he says, liberalism is the baneful twilight of the truth beginning to be obscured in their intelligence or heresy, which has not yet taken complete possession of them. So let's say that again. Liberalism is the baneful twilight of the truth beginning to be obscured in their intelligence or heresy, which has not yet taken complete possession of. That's true. Liberalism in and of itself is so attractive because it, it, it it's a manifests itself as a search for truth, which in some ways it is. Uh, there's, a, there's an aspect of truth to the fact that you want to have a liberality in, let's say, um, navigating through the debatable topics. There's a certain liberality for all Christians of any sort uh, to investigate, you know, things like... Um, you know, what's the best way to fix a car? <laughs> you know, there's a there's no dogma on that. You could be you could be liberal in your approach to automotive, in a sense. You know, you could uh, you could look through you could look between uh, acceptable ways of operating a government and say, well, we're going to sort of we're going to play with it and have a little freedom in how we do that. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's the attractive part of liberalism. And the book continues. This is on page 40 for following along your Bibles at home. And he says, on the other hand. We should not fail to note that there are those who are just emerging from the darkness of error into the twilight of truth. This class has not fully penetrated into the domain of truth. Uh, that they will ever enter the city of light depends upon their own sincerity and honesty. This is a money quote. This is what I've been trying to say. This is why I like to listen to podcasts, people like Jordan Peterson, uh, this woman, Trish Wood. She's a Canadian reporter. Really good podcast on this Corona stuff. But she's a lib. Like, she's a classic lib. But her trajectory has been back in the day, she was kind of more of a committed lib, like more of a leftist sort of thing, uh, kind of grew up a bit, got a little bit wiser. She actually herself, she had a um, alcoholism problem. She did the 12 step program, which can be good for people in a, in a natural sense. She kind of find her way back. And now she sort of says she's politically homeless because she ended, she ended up defending men like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And she goes, oh, some of these conservatives are so, you know, conservative, whatever that means. But some of these right wing kind of guys. They make a lot of sense. And why is everyone attacking them? Oh, that's weird. And it's causing her to rethink things. But this is exactly what it says. It says, on the other hand, we should not fail to note that there are those who are just emerging from the darkness of error into the twilight of truth. That's what that is. And we're seeing that in our society. So part of this, this the, the fact that we identify the errors of liberalism, that's a helpful thing to us. It's not, it's not so we can get into a rage and be uh, ticked off and, and despair and, and uh, you know, cantankerous, but eh, everything's liberal. No, you got to look at things. You got to go, okay. What is impressive about person X? You know, people get on my case. Oh, you're just LARPing for Jordan Peterson. I've had people say that to me. I did a video with Mike from RTF. I think it has like 50,000 views. We did a good video. It was great. People say, oh, you know, he's got theological errors. Listen, unless you were St. Therese of Lisieux, and I don't think she, I don't think she ever committed a mortal sin, um, in this day and age, 
Yeah, pretty much everybody's fallen very far from grace at some point in their life. Maybe live that way for 50 years. Who cares? That's called the it's called the gospel. That's the point is that you repent. That's the, like goodness gracious. And people, you know, I can't stand when when people call traditional Catholics Pharisees because that's not what we are technically speaking. But there is an aspect of this within the online community of so-called traditional Catholics and other Christians, I would imagine, but of this idea that well, you know, Jordan Peterson, that guy, look what he said over here. So what you're saying to me is that because so-and-so said something stupid one time, that makes his conversion insincere? Give me a break. Give me a break. St. Paul's on the line. He'd like to talk to you. It doesn't mean you accept error. It doesn't mean that you brush error aside. It doesn't even mean that the, con- the seeming conversion of a man like Peterson or something is even sincere. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying if you then you do become the Pharisee. That's a reality. Oh, so-and-so had an adulterous past. Uh, like St. Augustine? Is, is, is that, was that what you mean? Oh, so-and-so was New Age. Uh, okay, what's your point? So-and-so used to be a feminist. Okay, what's your point? So this book, wonderful quote, I want to read it again because it's so powerful. On the other hand, we should not fail to note that there are those who are just emerging from the darkness of error into the twilight of truth. And But here's the proviso, that, that they will ever enter into the city of light depends on their own sincerity and honesty. If they earnestly desire to know the truth in its fullest, fullness and seek it with sincere purpose, God's grace will not fail them. But they are in a dangerous position. On the borderland between the realms of light and darkness, the devil is most active and ingenious in detaining those who seem about to escape his snares, and he spares nothing to retain in his service a great number of people who would truly detest his infernal machinations if they only perceive them. His method, in the instance of persons infected with liberalism, is to suffer them to place one foot within the domain of truth, provided they keep the other inside the camp of error. In this way, they stand, in this way, they stand the victim of the devil's deceit and their own folly. In this way, those whose consciences are not yet entirely hardened escape the salutary horrors of remorse. So the pusillanimous and the vacillating who uh, who compromise the greater number of liberals avoid compromising themselves by pronouncing themselves such openly and squarely. So this is saying essentially, as much as we should be excited about a man like Jordan Peterson, for example, who seem like they're coming out of the sort of uh, full-on Jungian sort of Gnostic psychology into Jesus Christ might have actually risen from the dead. And holy crap, that changes thing. That's literally kind of what he said on a podcast. That's also a very dangerous spot. So whenever there's there's men like this, uh, there's this this this, this guy was I've been talking to Jack Murphy. He's uh, I don't know if you know him. he was one of one of those guys who you know got outed for being a, a deplorable you know and he lost his job he's, he was he was he's you can find his story online he's got an interesting story he started this sort of men's movement by the way for just joining us this is the Kennedy Professional on the Crusade Channel the best live radio station standing and the last live radio station standing on always on air and always online at CrusadeChannel.com we're talking about liberalism as it is a sin it's my son's birthday. I actually can hear people just arrived at my house. He's two years old. Doesn't really know what a birthday is. He's my fourth child, Samson. And as I said, he uh, he hates haircuts. He's angry a lot of the time in a fun way. And he's really strong. So nomen est omen. So we get to bite the bullet on that one because that's what we did by naming him that. And I will not allow him to go around any Philistine women. So there you go. Um, but in any case, 
this guy Jack Murphy. He came out. Uh, he was talking to Jack Posobiec, who I, uh, he, you know, he's he's an outspoken Catholic. And he basically said, "Man, I went from this sort of radical atheism to this, uh, like, nat." He was, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but sort of natural law libertarianism-ish sort of thing to kind of a paleoconservatism to realizing I had a god-shaped hole in my life, and now I got to read C.S. Lewis in the Bible. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But a guy like that, he's in a precarious spot. So pray for these people because this, well, this is something I write about in Family Be Damned, my book, which you can find uh, through the Founders Trading Post, shop.mikechurch.com. When someone's experiencing some sort of conversion, you know, for whatever reason, they've got there. For whatever reason, the, the guardian angel, whoever, for whatever reason, they're in a place now where they're seeing the light. But the darkness gets real angry about that. So pray for people in that position. Chapter 9 in this book is called Two Kinds of Liberalism. The first consists in an open and direct denial of the existence of God. So atheism is, 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 a, is a pure form of liberalism. That's a full non-servium. That's, a, that's, a, that's not just a non-servium. The, the, the devil believes in God. The, the atheism is a... Is a uh, is a, uh, I won't accept reality. The second consists in acting and living without denying the existence of God, but yet, as if he did, not really exist. We see this in our society. It's sort of a therapeutic moral deism. Practical liberals, practical liberalists, as the book says, are by far in the greater majority. This is true. This is why, as we talked about last couple days, most liberals will not follow the conclusions of the idea all the way through. They can't. And the founders of the United States did not do that either, even though they were classic liberals for the most part. They recognized, well, we need a moral and religious people. Of course you need a moral and religious people. You need to have a moral and religious people because, you know, if you follow the liberal logic all the way through, you get the French Revolution. That's, that's following the liberal mentality all the way through. Practical liberalists are by far the greater in majority. Like a flock of sheep with closed eyes, they follow their leaders. They know nothing in truth of principles and systems. This is why they, this is why liberals love democracy because they know this about the people. Uh, so they you know they know nothing of principles and systems. So they go vote for somebody who's nice and looks good on TV, but they have no idea how a bloody economy works. And did they perceive the uh, perversity of their instructors would perhaps detest them? You find this with the liberals par excellence. Um, been doing some research on the Illuminati. Get your tin hat out. And um, in the Illuminati constitutions, essentially, um, the only principle in the Illuminati is essentially power and rejection of God, ultimately. It's basically the, 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 the philosophy of Rousseau. The Jean-Jacques Rousseau, which was basically man was corrupted by society. And uh, this is where the idea of the noble savage comes from. And that, you know, it's all this. We should do a whole. You know what? We'll talk about the Illuminati tomorrow. How about that? We just we just had a nice epiphany there. We'll talk about it tomorrow because I've been doing a lot of research on it. Um, but essentially, this is where you get the ideas of social constructs and things. This is where the liberal ideas lead. Because if you really believe that you have to subject society to your own whims in your mind, because you're the arbiter of truth, well, then you have to believe that anything that you believe from society is sort of a, a form of oppression and it's a construct. That's where this is. So social constructs, this critical race theory, theory stuff, this is all just liberalism. It, it, it's, it's blooming right now. But it's not new. That's, that's one kind of hopeful thing we can have from this 
is that, um, you know, these ideas came around and they were dealt with and they were suppressed and then they sort of made their way back. And OK, that's that's a shame. But that also means that uh, society does tend to get wise up a little bit and they can be suppressed again. And it's not as if the church was extremely strong in the 18 and 1900s, as we've seen, if you really look deeply. This book here is written in the 1899. And he writes, for example, amongst Catholic liberals. Many go to mass, even make novenas. And yet when they come into contact with the world, they lead the lives of practical liberals. They make it a rule to live up to the times, as they call it. So uh, when you think of a, a, a Catholic who prays novenas, like actually looks up the prayers, prays them every day for nine days. That's, I mean, in my opinion, that's probably more than your average lukewarm Catholic, you know? So he's saying even those who appeared to vote, and this is in the 1800s here, this is published in 1899. So he wrote this sometime around 1890, 95. I mean, this is, and he's at that point a grown man. I mean, he's, you know, his fifties or sixties when this book comes out. So this is a problem stemming back to the mid 1800s. And it didn't start with him. Or when, when he was born. So we've seen, it's not as if, you know, liberalism is an error. It's a sin. But we've seen even at a time when the church wasn't as strong as it ought to be, even when society was, was edging in a libertine direction, they were still able to come back to some sort of sense for a while. So we can hope for that. But going back to this idea about they would be um, ashamed by the perversity of their instructors in the Illuminati, which we'll talk about more tomorrow. They actually had sort of two sets of rules. They realized they wanted to attract men who were looking at it in sort of a fashion of wanting to be Gnostic purists, you know, dualists, where they don't want to uh, corrupt their flesh with human interaction. So they had sort of a chaste version for them. And they also wanted to attract men who wanted a libertine lifestyle. And they'd basically hire public women to be their girls in the Illuminati. So this is the, what the book is saying, is that if you really follow the conclusions of liberalism all the way through, not only will you get to a point where you reject the entire created order, but you'll also get to a point where you realize the ugliness of the men behind it, which is a good thing when you realize that. And maybe, you know, maybe we're realizing something like that right now. As I said, it's my son's birthday. We've got a minute left. I want to be hopeful when I leave here. So maybe the piece of hope we can leave with today is we're seeing this with the Hunter Bidens of the world. Yeah, it's not like it's doing anything objectively right now, but we're seeing it. We're seeing that the emperor's got no clothes. The, the wizard behind a curtain is just pulling some strings. And uh, we're seeing the perversity of these rulers, these liberals. And, you know, it's not going to last for long because eventually people will get sick of it. And they're going to try to go back to common sense, even if it's not so common.